Welcome to With a Twist, the number one parenting show on the planet. In an era where the majority of children are not asking what they want to be when they grow up, but instead what they want to be when they give up, With a Twist will help you raise hopeful, thriving, engaged, and confident children. Be the parent you've always wanted to be using With a Twist's signature success system. With a Twist is the only parenting podcast that will enable the everyday parent have peace of mind while navigating the school system and life. Give your child the opportunity to thrive instead of just barely survive. And now, the founder of With a Twist, Amber Scotchburn. This is ContactTalkRadio.com, consciousness in action, and you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. It's time to think opposite. Suspend your belief, consider another perspective, and proceed with clarity. Coming to you live from the west coast of Canada... It's live and it's edgy. Now here's your host, Allison Donaghy. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to Think Opposite. I am your host, Allison, owner of Domino Thinking, and I'm a cause and effect strategist because it is my mission to empower and activate people to consider different perspectives to better their lives, their businesses, and the planet because I believe an unexamined perspective is a deadly virus. You can find more on my website, dominothinking.com. Just so you know, this is a live radio show and it converts to a podcast. And I would love it if you subscribe to Think Opposite on iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher and keep thinking about what you think about and uh, join all the conversations that we're having. Um, everything you do has a consequence. And have you considered the consequences of your choices? Have you explored where your beliefs come from? I bring guests on my show who may challenge what you believe and provide an opportunity to look at things differently. Doesn't mean you will change your mind, and that's totally okay. But there's something powerful that happens when you listen to another perspective. And I mean listen with open ears and open hearts with the intention to understand another point of view. Remember, ultimately, the choice to think about what you think about is 100% yours. Today, my guest is Amber Scotchburn, who is an internationally recognized parenting expert. And we are going to talk about schooling and the tests and uh, all of the stuff that goes in and around that. And if you have comments, you can hit me up on Facebook under Domino Thinking. And let's get some conversation happening. And if you're listening live, you can call in at 844-390-8255. That's 844-390-8255. 8255 anytime within the next 40 minutes. I, I've known Amber for a while. She's very involved with um, tutoring and helping children have, and kids, uh, teenager people, have a relationship with um, their education in a positive uh, way. And today we're going to be talking about it and uh, maybe helping kids get back and discovering the magic and falling in love with um, with themselves, with education, and maybe their parents can fall in love with them again. And uh, yeah, so welcome, Amber. Thank you for having me, Allison. Yeah, well, thanks for being here. I'm excited to hear what you have to say, because I know that you have some rather um, unconventional views when it comes to education and testing and parenting. And um, I'm I'm excited to share them with our listeners. 
Absolutely, I, I do. I, I with those teenage kids, as you called them. Yeah, <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if you want me to sort of start with something that's controversial. We could start with the with the um, the title for <laughs> for the radio show today. I was given a chuckle when I was talking about it live. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Go ahead. Okay, so we we were calling it uh, the test. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was actually pretty appropriate because there's a, a book we picked up from chapters called F the Test. And it, it actually just has different test responses that kids have given over the years. It's a compilation of them. So if you want a good laugh or uh, something to put somewhere to read that you just want to sort of chill out, it, it's kind of a neat, interesting read. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the thought around tests is the fact that kids are given them and then they're assessed or given a mark for what they know at that given point in time. And basically that mark then forms their report card. That's then what parents have discussion with their kids on. It's how a kid is labeled uh, by their mark in in class. And as they pass through their years, because it's the report cards that pass along with them. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it really doesn't give us an indication of what a child knows other than in a given moment in time when they sat down to write that test. Right. And, you know, and I think that that is such a a big issue. And I like I have a lot of American friends and it's very significant down there where they have the SATs and is it the SATs. Is that what they're called down there? Yes, I think so. And they get they're actually implementing them in some schools in kindergarten. And then that determines the whole rest of that child's, you know, education career. And that is mind boggling to me. And it's when we actually start thinking about the domino effect of that. Wow. Like the places that it takes somebody and the way it shuts kids down and interferes with maybe relationships between parents and children. There's just so many layers to this. There, there absolutely is. That onion you referred to in your opening is um, exactly what happens when we start to peel away the layers of, of a test. And they can happen, as you mentioned, in kindergarten, or there's the standardized testing that happens at certain grades, and then schools are rated on those, and then people don't move into neighborhoods or move into neighborhoods based on that. Um, so the domino <laughs> effect is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 coming from a perspective of a teacher, so that's that was my first career, and kids get passed along by their grades, and and people may or may not like that, or may or may not think that that's the case, but definitely you know, oh, Johnny's an A student, and the student isn't an A student, mm-hmm. and and that's that label, if you will, is carried with them. Right. Wow. I have so many things going on in my head right now. <laughs> um, so the one I want to get out of the way first is um, not failing children. Right. What is your opinion of that? Um, I well, our philosophy at Tutoring with a Twist is fail early and fail often. And then we know what you don't know. Mm. So uh, I have a whole different perspective on, on failing maybe than most people, but in terms of what you're asking, should a child be failed or not? I think that absolutely a child should be failed. Um, but I don't think that it needs to be say at the beginning of the year to then not start the next year. Mm. Um, so for instance, if let's say, let's say you took the subject of math and you are going into grade three for math. 
well, if you if you don't know your grade three math, why can't you either have another class, another group within that classroom to teach the the kids that aren't all at that grade level mm. or have them actually go to the grade one classroom for math? Right. Um, right? And then go the kids. And stay in grade three for everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Right. Or if you're really great at English, maybe the kid who's not great at math is going to the grade one classroom for that, going to the grade five classroom for English, just for sake yeah. of throwing it out there. Well, and, you know, it's interesting because... It wasn't really the example, the answer I was expecting from you. So it's, uh, you know, it's their own pre, my own preconceived ideas about where people are at. And it's always a lesson for me to make sure I'm asking before assuming. Um, I always thought it would be really great if schools were set up not by grades, but by levels. So there's level one through 12 math, level one through 12 English. And you just moved to the next level in your subject when you were ready to go. So it would definitely be that um, grade three level math or level three math and level five English and level two gym. And based on where you are at, it would just feel like a far more equitable way of learning. Yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. I well, I think you're 100 percent right because I totally agree with you. <laughs> well, that's what matters in this show. <laughs> right. questioning ourselves. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, when I when we one of the first things we do uh, when we sit down with a family um, in in my new role as a tutoring agency owner is we put out a, a timeline actually for them and we say, okay, your child is in grade five. Well, do you actually know if I was your child's grade five teacher, I should expect that there's a two year age difference um, or sorry, ability or level difference on either side. So mm-hmm. technically, as a grade five teacher, I should really be aware that I'm teaching anywhere from a grade three to a grade seven level. That's so, insane. Like, and how is a teacher supposed to do that? Um well, you know, I, I sound like a, a mom in this case, but, you know, back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> when I had to walk to school uphill both days. <laughs> in the snow with no shoes. Come on. That's right. Eggs in my pockets. <laughs> um, but, it, but in all seriousness, I remember very clearly there's three meeting, three reading groups and three math groups all mm-hmm. through elementary school. And that in end, they weren't, um, I don't remember it being that, you know, if you weren't in the airplane reading group, you were dumb. I don't remember that being the connotation or the uh, experience. I remember you, you wanted to strive for that. And if you wanted to strive for it, this is how you did that. And if you didn't, then you were in your group and that group was still great and fun and you did engaging activities in it. Well, I do actually remember that sort of thing, and there was a lot of stigma attached to it. Um, and I don't think there needs to be. Um, I remember, like, my sister – part of it is, too, because of our own family dynamic. School was very, very easy for me and very difficult for my oldest sister. And so she ended up in, like, occupational classes, which were – I think they still have them. I like trades, I think is what they call them now. Um, where, but she got a lot of criticism and it really hurt her, um, self-esteem because who she was was so linked to the grades she was getting, which was so disappointing because I see how that still affects her as an adult that she still thinks she's dumb. And in some ways she's way smarter than I am. Well, and that's, uh, you're, you are mentioning that on live on air. So I'm going to be letting your sister know <laughs> that you just well, that's okay. smarter than you. <laughs> Um, well good luck with that she's now my brother and so (laughs) uh, it gets really complicated 
<laughs> but See, there's, there's that onion again. But you know what? Yeah. Absolutely, you are a hundred percent right, and that's. Uh, in in my book called Parenting with a Twist, there there's three chapters actually devoted to the school system and uh, particularly around marks and and demystifying what a mark actually is yeah. and that it, it is no in no way shape or form an indication of somebody's smartness or ability. Right. And, you know, and I just wanted to say this isn't about slamming teachers. Because I think teachers have a really challenging profession. Um, I think there are some that are really, really good and some that are absolutely horrid. And I certainly went through the gamut of those when my son went through school. Um, and so this isn't about bashing a system that is so big. Like that is a massive ship to turn. And I think our kids are growing at a, the speed way beyond anything a school system can keep up with. And so teachers who are able to maneuver that, uh, hats off to you because that it's, it's huge and it's, it's quite an undertaking, I think, to keep all those balls in the air. Um, so I just, anybody, cause anytime I talk about these sort of things, Amber, somebody's like, well, why are you bashing parents? So I just want to, or, or <laughs> teachers, right? I want to make it really clear that that is not what this is about. This is about looking at a system that is not functioning as well as it could. And then I, thinking about I, ideas that can function better. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And, um, teachers are, are who we consider part of our, our team at tutoring and, and parenting with a twist, essentially. And so we always like to suggest to families that we form really good relationships with them and we build onto those relationships. And, and, and that said, we can still have the frank conversations mm-hmm. around some of these topics that we're talking about today. Um, And you did bring up something rather interesting. So when you, when you talk about the gender neutral, neutral washrooms and (laughs) you're suggesting what is the reason behind it and, and the ramifications and those kind of thought provoking questions you're asking, I'm not sure if you, if you're aware, but a lot of school systems are actually going away from, or, or doing their best to go away from having marks like A, B, C, those sorts of marks. Mm -hmm. Um, and also trying to go away from only having tests as the main way of assessing kids. Right. But, but what's interesting, and you just said it exactly with the gender neutral washrooms is they're doing this at elementary school levels, except when then those kids are transitioning to high schools, guess how they're assessing kids again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All and by tests. If it's the high school in that level, then how are they going to go to university? Well, like, and yeah, and then that's the next layer, right? Is then they go to university and if they haven't had to write tests, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it, it becomes, it is, it's so much bigger than I think the first glance we give at it. And, and this is this, this is what I'm really trying to do with guests like you and with this show is to really express to people that they're there's a lot to it. It's not just about, well, damn it, my kid shouldn't go ahead if they're not getting a good enough grade. Okay, well, that's one small part of it. You know, a friend of mine had a daughter that kept getting pushed through the school system. She ended up in grade eight. She couldn't read. But they yeah. didn't want to hurt her self-esteem, so they wouldn't hold her back. And so there's there's so many of these these um layers back to the whole Shrek and Onion thing um, to it. And 
and I, I, and that's where I want people to get to. I want people to stop looking at things at face value and to really start seeing that that's, there's just so much more. Yeah. And, and I, I believe that by having these conversations, obviously you're opening those eyes and opening people to that. And, and I'll give you an example for, for us, we see lots of times parents saying, well, why don't they just do it? And I mean, you can to their kids and you can refer that to a whole bunch of things, but let's say in specifics to doing homework, you know, why doesn't my kid just do it? And then when I actually go through all of the wherewithal and, and information, et cetera, that you need in order to sit down to do your homework, Mm -hmm. then a parent is like, Oh, I never thought of it that way before. (laughs) I just thought they should sit down and do it. (laughs) Yeah. And of course they forget that they have to do homework that they hated doing and they forgot all the reasons that they hated doing it. Yeah. Well, one of my strategies I give to to parents is I'm like, what do you, what do you have to do around the house that you don't like doing? And, you know, oftentimes it's housework or um, balancing their books or writing a grocery list or anything like that, that maybe has some organization to it. Right. (laughs) And I say, then, you know what, while your child's sitting down doing their homework, I invite you to sit down and do those things alongside them. Mm -hmm. And, and see, remember how much you don't enjoy. (laughs) doing that. Doing your taxes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, and it's interesting. And, and then the parents are like, oh yeah, I wanted to get up and get water. And then I wanted to get up and do this. And I'm like, exactly. Now welcome to your child. <laughs> right. World. How soon we forget what our pain was like um, when we're dealing with somebody else creating new pain for us. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's interesting what you said, because I was the same way in school. I, I somewhat sailed through it. Um, uh, easier maybe than most, than some kids or most kids. And so it wasn't until I became a teacher that I really felt the pain of, of people that weren't necessarily sailing through it and that homework was difficult, mm-hmm. uh, for a variety of reasons. And you mentioned grade eight and your, and your friend's daughter getting to grade eight. Well, I was teaching grade 12 and kids couldn't write a sentence. Yeah. And, and it, I was like, nobody did you any justice passing you along to grade 12 like yeah no and and not just that person but when you think about the fact that we are all connected it's going to be that child who is going to be working at the old folks home where you're going to be bedridden like yeah you know so you if only for selfish reasons make sure your kid gets an education because they're going to be taking care of you in some way shape or form down the right road they're going to be making the laws they're going to be deciding you know how things get distributed like So when we see that it's all connected and that it all matters, I think it maybe allows us to see things a little bit differently. I agree. I agree. And I I often will say to the kids that we're working with, you know, in in relation to tests, have you ever received a test back that maybe wasn't the best mark, but it had like a happy face and it said, it's okay because we're going to cover this material again and I'm going to make sure you understand it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or here are some resources to help you understand it more or better or differently. Um, it's a huge difference. My son had a teacher who was super, super supportive one year and Anthony, my son, toned th- like flourished in his class. It was just, it was such a cool thing to see. And then he went to a teacher and it was her last year and she made it really public that she didn't like having boys in her class. And anytime my son turned in a story, she had a red line running through it because she didn't think he was a neat enough writer. 
but he had great stories. He just stopped writing. Yeah. Yeah. That was his response. He, that's the only way he had power was to stop doing it. Yeah. And that's scary. Right. And (laughs) how many kids does it happen to? And when, you know, when we have parents come to us and the kids are in lower grades and I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for coming to us now because my, my whole passion and being is that kids and and adults need to continue learning. Mm -hmm. And if you start to lose that in grade school, you could essentially be done with learning because you're just so turned off from um, what the experience of school can be for what learning actually is. Right. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because I did a blog not that long ago about education and how it's when we're in school, we know we're being educated because we're going to a classroom and we have a teacher in front of us. That's a sure sign we're being educated. Um, But when we're an adult, we're being educated without any awareness. So when we can embrace that learning early on, maybe we can be more responsible adults when information's coming at us and what we're choosing to be educated in, what not to be educated in. Yeah, and I think that goes exactly back to your opening, which is don't believe everything you think, essentially, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we are flawed, and most of the shit we think about is is flawed, <laughs> and Absolutely. that's okay. That's the, that's how we get creative. That's how we get come up with better solutions. Well, yeah, and I and I, I love that you actually mentioned that because what ends up happening so much with creativity, and you just mentioned it with your son, um, and I saw it as a as a grade twelve teacher for a number of years, and then um, in the professions that I'm in now, and and creativity just gets stripped away because mm-hmm. they're so focused on this uh, godforsaken mark <laughs> that yeah. that needs to happen, and really, you know, any kid you can train them to do well on a test because a test is there. Like it's a formula. Essentially there's some key ingredients. And if you just worked with them on that, they could do really well on it. Yeah. Well, I remember at university, I I was taking a philosophy class and um, I I knew exactly how, what this guy was going to test on based on the book and based on what he could test on. And I was getting like 97%, 98% of my tests. And I said to my buddy who was failing, I was like, dude, You don't even have to read this part of the book if you don't have time. Just read this part, this part, and this part. That's all he's going to test you on. And every single test, exactly the same way. So did I learn anything in that philosophy class? Well, I learned how to manipulate the test. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but it's a skill, right? It is. It is a skill. (laughs) Well, and that comes down, like, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, my son at, at high school he was in the athletics department and he um he would be failing his classes and he would go and talk to his teachers and he'd be like, but you know what? If I get on the honor roll, my mom will give me some money. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I know you're not slacking because you're a bad kid. You're slacking because you're playing basketball and there's lots of tournaments happening right now. We'll just raise your grade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and as a parent, he's telling me this and I'm like, Damn, it sucks that he didn't learn the material, but what a good skill that he just learned. <laughs> yeah. He goes a long way. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting because I, one of my very first clients for tutoring was a man who uh, was in the logging industry for a number of years and then got injured on the job. And so he wanted to, to go back to school and, and try for his real estate license. And so he was hiring us to help him study for that test. Right. And, um, 
I said, and he, and he really had an, we had to build up his reading skills. We had to build up his comprehension. Like there was just a ton missing. And, and I said, what happened? Like, and he said he was an athlete in school <laughs> and he was just passed through and passed through because he was the star. <laughs> like, <laughs> but eventually that star goes away in terms of that particular role. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It totally and does. He didn't know what to do anymore. He was completely lost. Um, and, 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 you know, kudos to him for returning to actually going, I, I want to learn to read and, and comprehend what I'm reading and then, you know, study and, and learn all of that. But when I, when I was just really candid with him and, and he was really candid back, it, it was because he was the superstar athlete at school and therefore he didn't have to turn in papers <laughs> or he, he could turn in the paper that kind of looks similar to the other guy because, you know, <laughs> that would be okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Like submit. Um, Cause that was MSN had just come out. So um, that texting language, the letter U instead of YOU, all of that. When my son was in high school, that had just started. And I remember seeing one of his papers, English papers, and that's the language. That's how he was writing. And I went, that's not how you spell you. <laughs> I don't understand how you got an A on this paper. Like that's not the English language and you're in English. Yeah. So it is, a, you know, that stuff that sticks um, with us. And, um, and I, I wonder too, like sometimes, and, and maybe you find this, you can certainly tell me what you think about this is that whole self-esteem, right? If we don't hold the children back until they understand the material, then we're going to hurt their self-esteem. So is that something you come across and have to deal with? Yeah, absolutely. The, the most, the answer that we get a hundred percent of the times as to why people are calling us for help is confidence in their children. Mm. So that's the, the number one. And then the number two call, which might be interested in is anxiety um, and depression. Mm. Um, and because that kept happening so often, I, I did research and, and it's one of the reasons I wrote the book I wrote was because I thought I have four kids mm -hmm. of my own, never mind all the kids that I work with. And, and if this is a common thing, what the heck, <laughs> like, yeah. why is this happening? What, what's the phenomenon or what's changed? And then I have a son who's on the cusp of, of being a millennial. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if you know uh, much about statistics around millennials, but they are going to have, they're suggesting that they have the highest depression and are going to have the highest suicide rates of any generation. And that does not surprise me in the least. Yeah. Well, it was like a, a shock to my gut mm -hmm. or like a punch because I'm like river is right along the, uh, along the cusp of that. And, mm -hmm. and I, and I have seen those, um, behaviors and patterns in him and so, and then with all the calls I get, I'm like, oh, this is like rat alert, <laughs> rat alert. Let's figure out what's going on. So wow. I, I believe that it's kind of two pronged, right? If if you're somebody who is wanting to get good grades and that's the way that you're raised, um, what you, you build there is some self-esteem around getting a good grade. Mm -hmm. But what you don't build is competence or failure uh, or process or that there's steps to learning or any of that. Mm -hmm. um, Really. And, and if you look at people that have been really successful in high school, um, without an effort, what ends up happening is that they, they end up failing in life 
and it's not really a generalization, like it's a, it's a proven fact. And so, because what happens is they haven't had opportunities to, you know, kind of be shut down and then be like, Oh, I have to learn a different way to learn that. Mm. Uh, Or as you're mentioning this piece around self-esteem, well, nobody's ever told me actually that my paper wasn't good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had a guy work for me one time and I fired him. And he said to me, you can't fire me like that'll hurt my self-esteem. And I'm like, well, you should have thought about that before you repeatedly didn't do your job. Yeah. And he was devastated. And I'm like, like, I've talked to you a lot about this. I've, I've laid out an expectation. He goes, well, yeah, but I didn't think anything would happen. I'm like, I told you something would happen. He goes, yeah, but why would I believe you? And I just thought, oh, like this is this where we're heading? Is this what that next generation is going to come out like? Now, that having been said, I have millennials work for me and they're outstanding. And so we definitely have that spread. I don't it, it, we have to be careful, I think, to not tar them all with the same brush. No, absolutely. And I think that it was more the punch to the gut for me because <laughs> I'd seen some of those um signs I guess in my son, if you will, um and his friend and his friends and and I mean it, with all the calls we were getting all related to anxiety and depression as well in terms of education, it was like, there's a common, there's a common theme here. And then when you hear the statistic about millennials, I mean, what, what gives to have a whole generation have the highest suicide rate? That, that's scary. Yeah. Um, And when you, you know, there's two things going on for me right now when you're talking about this. On the one hand, I'm like, well, I'm not surprised with the breakdown of connection and that, you know, two parents working and that loss of security and and all of that stuff, like the, the influx of information and nobody really knowing how to handle all of it makes total sense. And so it but when I get out of the thinking of that and into the feeling of that, yeah, it is so sad. It is. It is. It is so sad. And it's interesting that you say that because the conversation I was having with my son, who's 17, is there's this world of opportunity out there for them, right? Which could could really be so super exciting compared to the world of opportunities in in past generations or, or lack thereof. Yeah. Um, and but no and, guidance for it. Yeah. Well, and then that's the the almost like the cliff, right? You're at the top of this cliff and there's all these opportunities, but you could very easily just go over the cliff. Um, because, because one of us actually built that parachute. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> and we don't have the skill to build the parachute necessary for their jump. No, no. Like it's because I like, I don't know about you, but I understand the world of technology and the whole social media, like all of that, that these kids are embedded in. I understand so little of it. Um, in compared to what they know. So how can I help prepare them at all for this world that they're entering into when I don't know anything about it? Well, and, and that's where you, um, or I should say me or I, um, have immersed, have immersed myself as much as I can in it. Um, and, and open dialogue, right? So as a parent, um, it's that open communication with your kids irregardless of what you might learn through that open communication, um, Mm -hmm. that you're able to get into that world with them because otherwise it's really is, could be two opposite extremes. Right. And, and then that can almost be a cop out that Mm -hmm. not understanding that world means that we're not able to help that, that generation or, or those. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, um, 
I think like I, I kept up with my son, but as technology has changed, I've only ever learned what I needed to learn. My son's now grown. He's 28. And so he doesn't need me learning alongside him. But um, I actually, I think I might know more in terms of programs and all of that kind of stuff that he does, which I bug him about all the time. But the next generation that this is like iPads are their primary language. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's my secondary language. And so I think whenever we change learn a new language we're never as adept at it as the person who learns it as their first language absolutely and and i think it's just the awareness right like mm. i know um when i was growing up and i we i worked in a library and the madonna book came out and it was like madonna in flesh like <laughs> <laughs> and i remember like we were all in the back looking through the madonna book right mm-hmm and apparently I went home to my mom. I, I don't remember this part. I just remember looking through the book, but I went home to my mom and I'm like, oh my goodness, if this is, if this is what it's like now, mm-hmm. by the time I have kids, what is it going to be like? Right. Like, yeah. and, and, and now welcome to the world that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it, there definitely is this gap between parents understanding of what is going on. Um, and so then I think it's almost like the generalizations that you need to go to, right? So if mm-hmm. you don't want to maybe necessarily take the time to understand, or you don't have a reason to understand the social media that's going on, understand that it's giving the same hit uh, that like a, an, like a heroin injection would give, right? Or on the more positive side, mm-hmm. working out at the gym would give. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's giving those dopamine highs to kids. And then what's happening is they're basing their self-image and their self-esteem on likes that they have or picture shares or how many people are following their stories and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and I want to backtrack for a moment here because, you know, it's still all part of this whole self-esteem thing and how we're developing and how they're growing and that kind of thing. And, you know, you were talking earlier about the grades and how kids that um, the grades come easy to. I, I want to draw some attention to the fact that when you compare a kid that is really good at grades and grades are valued and therefore that child is valued and then compare it to somebody who is creative in a way that doesn't create grades, like maybe they're very artistic or very musical, but they're not getting good grades in math, um, that talent that they have seems to get uh, crushed because it's a vulnerable state because there's no value placed on it. Well, and I think, yes, you're hundred percent right. And I think that that's exactly where conversations need to happen like this. And then conversations with kids and parents and teachers and the whole thing as a big (laughs) onion. Um, But that's one of the first things we talk to to parents about is demystifying what a mark is. And, Mm -hmm. and, and really all it is is a moment in time where they took a test on a particular thing. Mm-hmm. And they got a particular mark. It doesn't mean that in if they actually took the time and and you know had a passion link to it and could see that it relates to their world that their mark couldn't be better, mm-hmm. or that they could actually have time. Like so, for instance, when you get a test back, typically you get the test back and they're on to the next thing. You don't get a chance to revisit that material, mm-hmm. or or like I I put it in my book akin to riding a bike right you, mm-hmm. you get up you ride a bike you fall off you fall off you fall off 
And then maybe somebody's put training wheels or given you a helmet or said, suggested that they take you to a track instead of riding down the street because there's no cars. Like there's all this <laughs> stuff, right? We do. Right. Yeah, and yeah. we don't do that for a test. We give mm-hmm. every single kid a test, give them a mark, and then we're on to the next thing. Do you think it's in part because uh, parents don't know what their kids are learning? Like, I remember when, like, I did okay in math, um, and then I upgraded before I went to university, and I took stats at university. So I would say, like, I've got a pretty good grasp of math. When my son brought home his math, I was like, I don't even know what they're teaching you. Like, it was so different than um, what we focused on or the way it was explained to us or the way that I maneuvered that system that I didn't even know how to help. Like, I, got, I just got him a tutor. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, as a parent, you got to do what you got to do, right? And if you can't do it, you can find somebody that can. Um, yes. So, like, what is it, what is a parent supposed to do? Well, I think that that is another kind of like that can of worms or whatever in terms of, yes, the curriculum has changed. So to address that part and they are learning differently mm-hmm. um, than we learned. Um, and that's across most subjects. Um, so if we just focus on math for, for a second, um, then yeah, even if you were great at math, they're just teaching in such a different way. So yes, you could look for um, help. So we always talk to parents about first reaching out to the teacher um, the teacher could have after school hours or before school hours, or maybe there's a math group that needs, or maybe there's a, another teacher or TA or teacher's assistant in the school that could help. Um, there's a homework club or something, right? So there's always options like that. There's always community resources. Like in our, in our city, for example, the library offers free tutoring. Um, there is other communities where the community center offers some free tutoring. Um, so there's always resources out there. I, I think though, what's happening and, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier with maybe two parent working families, um, single parent families. Um, there's just so much, right? Like you have to remember to pack your child's lunch or, or at least help them or at least have the food in the fridge, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so they yeah. Can pack their lunch, you know, and it's gotta be nut free, <laughs> sometimes gluten free in a classroom. And you know, the bake sale stuff has to be all a certain way these days. Mm-hmm. Um, you you're then making sure your child's understanding their curriculum the curriculum then are they in extracurriculars and what are they doing there and right. like on and then are you policing what they're doing on their social media and do you have any idea what's what they're doing there and like that's a full-time job like I'm getting tired listening to you yes yeah so you know <laughs> oh my god and if somebody has more than one child like you did it with four yeah. my friend has six like yeah you know, I granted not all of them would have the same degree of involvement in this, but that's that who has time. And like, I think it's an easy answer to say, well, they're your kids. You make the time. But realistically, who has time? Well, I, I think that, again, one of the tenets in my book is that saying that it takes a community to raise a child. And I know that absolutely when I was a single mom with just, just my two boys, um, often we would be like, okay, who's, the, who's going into, uh, Nanaimo for whatever? Cause at this point we lived in Anus, um, which is a, a different city over. Um, you know, who's, who can we carpool with to get the kids to theater or whatever the extracurricular was that they were doing at that moment in time? I really think it's stepping out of that comfort zone to ask people for help. Mm. 
um, being able to be at some point at that point being a single mom and I was just starting my business and I wasn't really reciprocal in terms of being able to give back to those people Mm -hmm. um, in that same way. But they, you know, people were certainly happy to, to do that. And, and I was happy to accept the help, which sometimes is a stretch, right. To not put it on yourself or not be the martyr or the victim as a parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That asking for help thing is not something that we really promote in our society. Well, no, because looks what let's drop drop right back to the topic. But what happens when your kids ask for help in school? <laughs> yeah, right. Like we hear from kids all the time that there's a limit on the number of questions that they can ask if they're allowed to ask questions. Yeah. Um. And and I always say to them, like we actually usually write on the contract that not only are they coming to us say for math or reading, but we're also going to teach them how to ask a question. Mm. Because we're not getting that right. We put something into Google, we get this instantaneous answer. Yeah. Um, And we don't have to even have complete sentences with Google. We can throw in two words and then scan for the answer we're looking for. And so how do these kids who are accustomed to asking for things like that form an actual conversation around a question? Exactly. And, and how to get a different answer than you're, what you're looking for, right? So if you say to your teacher who's just explained it one way, hey, I don't understand that. And then they explain it the same way. And this is what we often hear from kids. And they don't know as the child doesn't know how to ask it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, that it's a whole other conversation as to why the teacher's explaining <laughs> it in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if we're just empowering the kids in these situations or the parents, which is our focus uh, in terms of what we're talking about, then then we really have to empower people to how to, how to ask a question. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know with my adult son, I'm still very much like, I know there's a question in there somewhere. Like, what is your question? <laughs> I, I can feel it. I can feel there's a question. Um, and and I find that. And, and this is a generational thing, too, because, again, we're speaking different languages to some extent. Um, but when I'm around younger people, it's, it does require a different level of patience to understand what they're trying to say or yeah. what they're getting at or what that point is or what the question is or what their need is because it's skirted. Yeah, well, but they're not really. I think you've mentioned it earlier um, is that connection piece. Right. So when you're just texting you or whatever the different, you know, uh, all the different acronyms that are out there now and stuff that they say. WTF, really? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I have to Google things sometimes when I'm talking to my niece. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What did she say? The first time I saw FML, I was like, "Mm, you don't even want to know what I thought that meant. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was sent to me by my lesbian friend. And so I thought it had something to do with muffs. And so (laughs) it's just like. (laughs) <laughs> I just make things up. <laughs> That's so that could probably be a whole other show, really. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. Um, but uh, I know in talking to her and and then you know, talking to my son, talking to his friends, like researching the stuff I've researched, and that lack of connection is so real when they when we have so much connection, right? In terms of um, Facebook and texting and WhatsApp and um, Snapchat and on and on and on and on and yet they don't know how to connect yeah or sustain or sustain connection Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, it's that what do you think this text means i don't know why don't you phone them and ask them what they mean (laughs) 
I mean, have like a real live conversation about this because I'm not going to guess at a text message. No, no. And, and, you know, the funniest thing is I, in a, you know, in owning a business and picking up my phone and answering and returning phone calls, it's like the biggest thing for clients. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, what? And they're like, well, people just want to text back or Facebook message back or something, not actually have a live conversation. Yeah. Um, and so it's not even just that generation, right? It seems to be just a, because we can these days and we don't have to make that effort. Um, yeah. But then, you know, I always laugh at myself when I get to that point where I've spent so much time back and forth on a text message and a phone call would have taken like two minutes. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have like 78 different text messages. And at some point you're like, I'm picking up the phone, but it's even with the phone being my first language, um, I still takes me a while to kind of go, okay, this isn't working. No. <laughs> and, and I grew up with phones, which is, and, and not just the handheld ones for texting, right? Like, yeah. and, and yet that's still not my first go-to. So imagine it's difficult for kids growing up where that is not a mode of communication to ever even stretch to get there. No, I, and I think it isn't like my uh, bonus daughter, um, 13, she's just about turning 14. So she was writing out a list of all the different places that will hire at 14. And I said to her, now your next step is you have to call them and you have to see, like, do they actually, because this was from a Google search, right? So, mm-hmm. but do they actually hire at 14? You have to find that out. And then you have to ask what positions they hire for at 14, because although the positions listed on the website may, ha- may, you may not be doing any of those things at 14 because yeah, of chances are you're not going to be the electrician. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing, but I'm thinking, no. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, you, you probably want to figure out how many shifts a week, like you want to ask those questions. So she made this whole chart up and then it was like, I was asking her to go walk on glass for actually having to call the places. Mm. Right. Um, and, and I mean, once she did it and she made up a little bit of a script and we rehearsed it and then she started calling and then she did it. Um, and then the next step, I'm like, now you have to go to the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, so bizarre for her and she can have a Snapchat conversation with 20 people. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Which I find shocking. <laughs> Just like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> what that's all about. Yeah. So tell me, because you have so many um, great insights and perspectives and experiences with this, how do people uh, find your book, first of all? Well, thank you for asking. Um, it is at Chapters. So if you're across Canada, it's across Canada at Chapters. Um, it's available online at Amazon. And it's also on my website, which is parentingwithatwist.com. Fantastic. We should uh, actually make it into chapters and we can both stand there with our books. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. actually, when I saw your book in chapters and I, I think I messaged you or, or commented or something these days, who knows? But who knows? <laughs> one of those things, um, we could totally have a joint event there. Um, that would be fun. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure if you've went in and, and talked at all to the to the managers, but that's how I had to get my book in there because I okay. was self-published. And so um, we've had lots of different local author events that they've put on. So um, very cool. We could totally yes. try and do that. That is a totally other conversation. Um, so so the best way for people to then reach you is through your website or do you like emails or text messages? How do you, <laughs> how do you want to be contacted? That's so funny. I do say to parents to connect with teachers right at the beginning of the year and ask them that question. So great question. Um, I, 
email works well. And, and actually, just my website's probably the easiest for everybody. So just parentingwithatwist.com. Super. Because, uh, you know, I think you've created a lot of space here for people to think about things um, in a way that we don't traditionally think about things. And I think uh, it's it's great that um, we have this platform where you can do that. And so with our last couple of minutes here, what was your last little tidbit of wisdom? I think just in really embracing as a parent, just embracing, embracing the role and embracing just, just like the test that you're going to get back, right? You may have those failure moments, but as I said, towards the beginning, the more you fail and the, how often and the, and the repetitiveness of your failures are actually going to bring you closer to what your goals are. Mm-hmm. And if, if your goal is just to be a parent that's connected with your kid, that is an amazing goal. And as you, as you have those moments of guilt or feeling like you're failing, just realize that you're actually just getting closer to the goal. Yeah. I like that. Like you have to try an awful lot of food before you find your favorites. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> so why would this be any different, right? You have to try on a lot of jeans before you get that pair that just really fits the way you want it to. So it makes total sense that you should go through this process of, uh, exploring and trying and failing and exploring and trying and failing. Explore, try, fail, and always realize that there, that there are resources out there to help you. So whether that's, you know, having a conversation with you, Allison, having a conversation with somebody like me, you know, local groups, posting something into Facebook, Google, like there's just so much information out there. There's always an answer. There's always a solution. There is. Yeah. Well, I think it's fantastic. And I so appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much, Amber. Thanks for having me. Before we sign off, I would love you, I love if you took a moment to really think about what you think about, about our conversation today. Cause I'm certainly going to do that because as always, I've, I've been presented with some new information and I want to process it and then think about what I think about after that. So did you think the same at the beginning of the show as you do now? Has there been a shift? What's your action now? And if you have any questions or comments for my guest, please reach out to her. She's absolutely amazing, and she would love to hear from you. And you can reach me on social media or send me an email to info at dominothinking.com. And in the meantime, if you don't question something, then what is the point of believing in it? Great to have you with me today at Parenting with a Twist. I would very much appreciate it if you could give me a five-star rating on Google or iTunes. Or heck, why not both? To learn more about The Twist, I invite you to visit our website, parentingwithatwist.com, where you can listen to past podcast episodes and download a teaser from my book. Oh, right, (laughs) my book. It's called Parenting with a Twist, 12 Positive Parenting Tips for Raising Confident and Success-Ready Children. Thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to take a moment to thank yourself for getting twisted with us today.